0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of Engineering Greatness, an original podcast series produced by the American Concrete Institute. My name is Alvaro Ruiz. I'm a postdoc associate at the University of Miami, and today I'm honored to have a true concrete rock star with me, none other than Dr. Antonio Nani, the 100th president of the American Concrete Institute and a distinguished professor and chair at the University of Miami.
1: Hi, Dr. Nani. How are you? wonderful alvaro actually it is a great pleasure to be with you today i know that this is going to be special because the two of us have a long relationship and uh, you know i think that over time i you started as a student here but now i consider you as a colleague and a friend so i think this is going to be a real fun to explore some of the things that we have done together or the things that we want to do in the future so Fire up.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's get started. I, I think, like, why don't we start, like, you've been around concrete and around civil engineering for for a while now. What inspired you to, to get into this topic?
1: Wow. Uh, this is a question that would require 15 hours of uh, answer now, but I'll try to be super fast. Uh, my, you know, love affair with... Uh, actually not necessarily concrete, but structure, you know, started when I was a child. There is really nothing that I remember in particular that made me think that engineering was the profession that I wanted to follow. But uh, I have to, you know, recognize that my parents were extremely supportive. And uh, I, you know, throughout my, you know, former um, or formal education, I went through, uh, with this idea of doing engineering. And uh, while doing engineering, I realized that the steel was too easy for me. And so I picked concrete because it was a much more difficult topic. So that's how it started and how, uh, and that's why it lasted for so long.
0: That's that's interesting. And it's it's very interesting because my, actually my path was pretty similar. When I was a kid, my, My father, my uncle, and other family members were were involved in construction, but I didn't know that I wanted to do engineering until I was like around 10 or 12. I was a kid. I used to play in the backyard with my brother, building things and helping my father, helping my uncle. And then I was doubting, is it architecture that I like? Is it engineering? And then I thought engineering was actually more fascinating than architecture due to all those mathematicals and, and all those models and physics and all that exciting stuff. So that's, that's how I also got involved in, in, in engineering and specifically in structures. structure, so that's, that's interesting.
1: What you're saying is interesting, but uh, I think both of us have an accent, right? And uh, I, I think it would be interesting uh, for our audience Uh, to know not necessarily where we come from, but, uh, you know, what led us to the United States. So why don't you tell us a little more? I, uh, you know, being from Miami or living in Miami, uh, uh, the accent that you have is uh, very similar to many other people in this area. And so I think this would be very exciting if you tell us a little bit more about uh, your background. Yeah, of course
0: well i mean originally from spain pretty close where you are from um -hmm. italy with a little bit better foot but i mean it's it's close enough (laughs) which i think we might have some some things to argue there but so i i started in spain i was in spain until i was 21 around i did civil engineering there and one while i was doing civil engineering i had this opportunity to go abroad there was one of these programs do you want to go abroad for 6 months one year so i picked and i went to to germany but it's funny because when i was a kid before i made that decision i always told my parents that i would never want to leave spain that i was too afraid to leave home then i went uh, i went to germany i found out that it was pretty interesting to be abroad and to be with friends so I stayed there a little longer and pursued my master's there in Germany. Um, and when, when I was doing my master's, I thought, okay, once I'm done with my, with my master's in, in civil engineering, i go back to Spain, finally. But then when I was there, there was a professor, Dr. Kamman, who, who was teaching in the U.S., but at the same time gave us a, a short lecture in, in Germany. And he was like, Is there someone that wants to go to the U.S. to do the master thesis? And I'm like, well, I mean, I was afraid to go abroad. But now that after two years I'm used to it, why not um, going across the ocean and go to the U.S. for six months? And I thought the same thing. I'll go there. I'll be six months and I'll finally go back to Spain. And I was there. And when I arrived there, that was the time when I met you. And we started to work on that project. And then all of a sudden, you mentioned, why didn't you pay for a PhD? At the beginning, trust me, I had to Google what does a PhD mean, because I had no idea what it was, and, and that was not my first plan. But then after talking with you, talking with Dr. DeGasso, at the end, I thought it was a good idea, and, and I don't regret it. And it's been seven years now in Miami, so it's, it's been a fun journey. What about mm-hmm. you?
1: Well, wow. so I think we have so much in common. Not only we were born and raised, you know, around the Mediterranean Sea, but I think our journey to the U.S. has so much in common. I, After I finished my engineering degree, my bachelor at the University of Bologna, by the way, the oldest institution in the world, uh, I... Got, similarly to you, the opportunity to go overseas. Uh, Well, overseas, I went to Africa, to, um, you know, South Africa, and I did my master at WITS. And while I was there, I uh, was in touch with uh, a faculty member here at the University of Miami, Professor Zolno, Ronald Zon, who made me uh, an offer of, uh, you know, an assistantship. But I have to admit, in full transparency, as probably I told you before, that the reason I was so excited to come to Miami, and this was um, 1980, so quite some time ago, was not so much for the university or the PhD. It was because of Miami Vice. So (laughs) to me, Miami Vice was... uh, uh, an incredible motivation to move to Miami. I did not know that uh, this would become my home away from home. And after, you know, completing my PhD here, doing three years on faculty, then going to Penn State for nine years, University of Missouri enroll, and now s for another nine years, I came back here to uh, UN, and I'm thrilled to be at this institution. I think the institution itself has transformed and uh, has become really a place where uh, education and research are um, of you know, primary importance. In the old days, when, when I joined, it was called Centenew, but I think uh, uh, this uh, uh, attraction that is due to the fantastic weather that we experience here is uh, is gone. Um, let, let me ask you, kind of related to this, you know, I think I know a little bit of your background, but after your experience here as a student, you became, and you went to industry, you became extremely active in ACI. And one of the difficulties that we have in the Institute is really to attract uh, young professionals. How did you end up being engaged in the Institute? How made the difference and and what was you know the the primary reason for it so i I really would like to transition from education to to professional practice tell us a story
0: yeah so I mean I think it's an interesting story because it all started with your advice the first day I came to the to the University of Miami. I remember you said, okay, it's important to study, it's important to do research, uh, do all those things, but there is more life outside the education. Be involved, be involved in ACI, be involved in other student organizations within the University of Miami. That's gonna give you networking opportunities, That that's gonna open you paths when whenever you transition to your um, professional career. So that's how it, it all started. So I remember when, when we were students, we used to go. I mean, we used to go to all these um, conventions. And uh, it, it was very fun. I mean, we started to get involved with CANET, um, being involved in S805, which is for students, um, then transitioning to S806, which, which is for young professionals. And then once you start to get a feel of how ACI works, and then you have a mentor that supports you, which is, I think, one of the keys um, here, then you start to see what is the value that ACI can give to you on the personal life and on the professional life. So I got, I tried to get very involved uh, when I was a student. Then when, when I transitioned to, the, um, to be in the industry and I started to work um, for a company called MAFIC, that was the time that I said okay wait a second if I I've learned that ACI can give all of you all of this to you as a student and to future professionals let me keep to be involved because that way I can I can get out of ACI everything that I saw I could give and and that was the time when I started I kept being involved I kept being involved in all these uh, committees I thought that I would grow professionally if I would uh, keep involved and and that's how I did it. And now that I'm back in the in in the in the University of Miami, I keep doing the same thing because I think it's it's a journey, right I mean you start as a student, you get that that sense of uh, motivation and then to keep it, then you see all those effects uh, of what the ACA can give as a, as a professional basically. So, so that it was, I mean, it's been a nice journey. I think it's just the beginning, or I hope it is. Uh, I know your journey has been a little longer than mine. So, it would be very interesting to know how you all started and then how did it take you to be now the 100th president of ACI?
1: Wow, that's also a long story. But let me, I think I mentioned this in one of my memos in uh, Concrete International. Actually, I'm sure that I did. It started in 1985. I was a PhD student here at the University of Miami, and Professor Wimal Suarez asked me to join him at uh, the first convention that I ever attended. It happened to be in Denver, in Colorado. So the idea of going to a convention and potentially go and do some skiing was very exciting. So from there uh, until now, you know, and you can count the years. I only have missed one convention, only one out of these many years, and it was the one in Philadelphia or one of the many in Philadelphia, one of the few in Philadelphia, because I was in Japan. But I think you brought up in your comments about involvement in ACI, what I think is one of the primary reasons to participate in the activities of the Institute is not only to do the volunteering work that can lead to you know better knowledge and improving our industry. there is also the human side, which is the networking that you mentioned and you share things with them that go beyond the, the technical so I think you know my journey has lasted so many years hopefully it's not uh, uh, over yet um, I, at least for this year uh, I'm doing a lot of traveling I'm meeting individuals like yourself, who are really eager to get engaged. And I think that this is really the strength of our organization, the ability to understand the two-way issue. In other words, ACI can give to people, but ACI receives from people. So I think this is really, you know, exciting. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to us uh, to become, you know, even uh, more engaged and more involved. And we're going to have a great convention in a city like Boston uh, at the end of uh, uh, you know October. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody is aware of the great opportunity. In your remarks, you also mentioned something uh, interesting. You, as a student, were also involved in committee activities. So it was not only participation, it was not only presenting papers, it was not only, you know, networking, but at the very beginning of your engagement with the Institute, you also felt compelled to contribute to the committee work. Can you tell us a little more about these committees that, you know, maybe are not very well known to people outside the organization?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I mean, and I think that's one of the things that at the beginning uh, you are afraid of doing. I mean, going to committee meetings, when you just started, it's not the fun part. I mean, first of all, you get into one of those rooms, you don't know if you need to sit in the front row, you need to sit in the back. Can you talk, can you participate? I mean, it's, it's tough because I mean, you realize that in those committees, there are topics that are being discussed that then are affecting the entire concrete industry. So it's like, okay, wait a second. Like, I'm a student. Like, can I be here? So that was a little bit the feeling at the beginning. Of course, through the networking that you do, you talk to other professionals, uh, you talk to your mentor, you talk to uh, people that are involved, uh, students and young professionals have been involved in ACI and everyone tells you the same thing. You need to go. I mean, that's the place where right now, you may be just as an audience because you just started in ACI, but as you get involved, you're going to be the one in that front row. But I mean, to get into that front row, you first need to understand how everything works. So my recommendation to all students or young professionals or even people that are not, not specifically young professionals but are new to the institute and go to a convention, it's To go through the entire agenda, see all those committee meetings, see the ones that may be interesting for you, the ones that are topics that are related to what you're doing, to go. Be there, talk to the people within the committee, talk even to the chair. I mean, chairs of those committees run the meeting, but afterwards are professionals and normal people in the sense that you can talk to them, even though sometimes you think like, okay, wait a second, can I talk to them? Yes. So I mean it's it's just an effort of of getting involved, don't being afraid, and 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 yes, and, and contributing. And that's I think that's the key, right? At the beginning, you are not gonna be able to write the entire ACA 318 or 3440 code. But if there is a specific task that maybe needs help, and you think that you're a good fit for that, volunteer, do it. You'll get more important tasks as you as you go, and there, and hopefully one day, I mean, you'll you'll have the impact as some of the the greatest in ACA have had. So, I mean, I think that's that's a little bit um, my advice to people that that are not involved yet. But uh, coming back to one of your points, uh, Dr. Nani, you said that um, people need to get involved, other than. Um, or you're, you've always said, right, the, the importance of networking, the importance of being involved in ACI. What would be your your advice to someone that is in the position of meeting ACI for the first time or just join the, the institution? What would be your advice in terms of um, getting involved and making an impact with the within the institution, what should that person do?
1: Oh boy, I, I think you said some of the key words, and to me, the most important one is do not be afraid. In other words, the the life of the institute and the uh, ability of the institute to, to develop and deliver knowledge rests primarily on the work of the volunteers. Staff does an incredible job to help the volunteers get to where the volunteers need to go. But it's the work of the volunteers that makes ACI what ACI is. So the point I'm trying to make is, when you go to ACI at your first convention, and by the way, there is many other ways to contribute. Today we focus on convention because it's the place where we touch one another. But if you go to convention, don't be afraid to be engaged. And you said it, you know, sit in one of the committee meetings, the area that is dear to your heart. We all have a a topic, you know, for me in the old days was, uh, actually, I started with pavement. I started with 325 because my work as a PhD was very much related to pavement. And I participate, I became a member of that committee eventually. First, associate member as a student, and then as a full member, or a voting member, as we call them, after I became a faculty member. Talk to the chair. Don't be afraid to also volunteer for something. And so this is really the attitude. You are there with other volunteers. Obviously, some of them have a much longer experience. They already made an impact. But let's say the future of the Institute rests on the young people. The young people, people like yourself, are the next generation. So the attitude of older people like myself is we need to bring you up to speed. But in order for us to bring you up to speed, you have to have the desire to, to be brought up. And so be there, enjoy it. And, and participate, and don't be afraid. You are in the world of volunteers, and believe this or not, everybody has been in your shoes at one time or another. Everybody was at one time young. Everybody started with a convention. So there is, you know, again, even the senior people can understand you. I'm going to totally switch topic now, and I'm going to ask you a question that is it- is a bit loaded, and I'll give you a hint if if you want. One of the things okay. that kind of motivates me now to be engaged in ACI is because I think that these are really the best of times for our industry. Some people, the public, may think that I'm crazy. You know, what do you mean by this? You guys in the concrete industry are responsible for 7 to 10% of the CO2 emissions. How can this be a great moment for, you know, the, country, the construction industry and the country in particular? And I think it's because of the opportunity that we have to generate innovation. So this challenge becomes an opportunity. Now the question. You are a young person. You will be around for another, I would say, 70 years, right? Uh, whereas, Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I reverse it. <laughs> for myself, maybe I hope to be around for another 30. But so your generation, eventually, you know, you get married, you will have children, you will, you look at the future. How do you see uh, this challenge for our industry? How do you see this sustainability issue being um, hopefully more of an opportunity than a challenge? What is your position as a young man that is looking at the uh situation that we have nowadays. You know, this past month, July was the hottest on record. And how do you see yourself as a professional that hopefully can help making the impact? I know it's a difficult question and that's why I'm asking it. Yeah, I could I couldn't expect less from
0: from my former professor. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean it's it's a nice question because it's a, a very interesting topic, also for me. And the thing is that maybe my response is a little bit tricked because of the experience that I had in the last years. That within um, the concrete industry or the civil engineering industry, I've been, um, as you know, um, and within the department of within the University of Miami, we've been pretty much focused on technologies, such as reinforcement and other concrete technologies that support that sustainable vision of um, today's construction. So it's true that we contribute to a lot of those emissions um, related to uh, global warming and others, but lately there's a big movement of change, a big movement of research, a big movement of innovation. That, as within the University of Miami, I think um, we are greatly contributing. As you said, I mean, it's an opportunity. It's a, it's a tricky opportunity because I mean, it's an opportunity because we are in a in a pretty bad situation. But that brings a lot of opportunities. Whenever you're in a bad situation, you have the opportunity to make it better. And I think that's where we are now. I mean, the way I see it is that I'm happy to see all of these trends also within ACI of incorporating innovative materials that decrease um, the amount of um, contribution to, to the global warming. A lot of innovative technologies, for example, artificial intelligence right now, I know there are multiple uh, projects also funded by ACI that incorporate this type of technologies to see, OK, what could we do knowing what we know and using technologies like artificial intelligence to expedite uh, the process that we are already uh, immersed in, that is, reduction of CO2 and other emission gases uh, that contribute to, to global warming. So. One of the hopes uh, that I have is that since everyone is, or I feel uh, that it's on the same wave, and having ACI supporting um, those uh, efforts, for example, with different centers of excellence that um, we have right now that incorporate new technologies, new um, research for new materials, this opportunity uh, is going to be a bright opportunity and it's going to be expedited by all that. And we are going to see, hopefully, um, good results pretty soon, sooner than what we expected. And that's that's the beauty of all this. And I think that's one of the things that maybe we can we can discuss. And I, I'm sure that you have way more to add to that, that. What is ACI? Because I know some of it, but not as much as, as what you know of what ACI is doing, but what is ACI's role and what is ACI doing incorporating all these technologies, helping uh, the society reduce the impact that we all know that we have?
1: Okay, let me use this the response to this question almost as the final thought, and then we have to wrap it up because we cannot keep this audience with us for the entire afternoon. You mentioned uh, centers of excellence. We have uh, now created three centers of excellence at the Institute to look exactly at these issues. One, looking at non-metallic materials, the other one, uh, net zero carbon, and the third one about productivity. So what is ACI attempting to do? ACI wants to be ahead of uh, the implementation of new technologies at the discovery side, at the validation side, at the efficiency side, rather than being reactive. The other thing that I think is most exciting is uh, we have made the commitment to sustainability. I hope that uh, this coming November, we will have ready for distribution, maybe not for publication, but for public comment, a sustainability code to go together with all the building codes that we have and become one of the anchors like 318. And the other thing that I hope we can accomplish as an institute is to be at COP28 in Dubai this coming December. I think it's fundamental for our organization to say that we understand the issues and then we are working towards uh, the solution with the rest of, uh, of the construction industry. Maybe this is the time to kind of say goodbye to everybody. I really want to thank you all for joining us and in particular, thank Alvaro for giving me the opportunity. Uh, This Engineering Greatness series is really meant to be for young professionals. So when I was asked to participate, I thought maybe I can still consider myself young at heart, maybe not in terms of young at age. Uh, The Engineering Greatness uh, Center Set greatness, uh, you know, podcast that comes out every month. So, we really would like you to, to consider and remain uh, active in this interesting and uh, intimate conversation among uh, two people. Uh, be sure that you subscribe to this podcast through Apple, Spotify, Google, and all the other platforms. And if you need more information related to the American Concrete Institute, please don't forget to visit our website, concrete.org. With this, thanks and see you next time.